We are incredibly privileged to be speaking with Anton Sestavny, CEO of the British International School Ukraine. In these times of uncertainty and adversity, the British International School Ukraine demonstrates an incredible resilience and unwavering dedication to the students, staff and greater school community. Determined to remain open, provide sanctuary and to fulfil its purpose of providing students with their education, the British International School Ukraine are an inspiration and remind us that education really is a source of hope and light amidst incredibly difficult times. Anton, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you. Thank you um, for inviting me. Um, as the representative of the British International School Ukraine, it's a pri privilege to be here with you. And in these challenging times, our schools resolve to stay open and provide sanctuary. As you mentioned, um, we are also thinking of, um, of what we're doing in these terms for learning has never been stronger. We are deeply committed to our students, staff, and the wider school community, recognizing the crucial role of education as a beacon of hope and light. Our journey through adversity underscores the importance of maintaining our educational mission, even under the most difficult circumstances. It's inspiring to see how our school community has pulled together, reminding us all of the transformative power of education. Oh, thank you. And I'd love to jump into um, some examples of, of what you're doing. So I first wanted to ask you, um, what was the first response then of the British International School Ukraine um, that fateful day in February 2022? Yeah, so uh, to, to be honest, uh, I think it's important to remind ourselves and, um, and everyone that we, uh, all of us, majority of our colleagues, of course, there were people who were on high alert, but we never believed that this could actually happen, yeah. even though the situation was widely circulated across the news. A lot of leaders of different countries have mentioned about the probability, but because of the you know rich, rich history and just the connection between the two countries, uh, we, we never thought that it actually could happen. We thought it's all political, negotiations and uh, someone trying to have a leverage against the other side. Mm. Um, and uh, But anticipating that it's actually possible that there is a such, um, that there is such probability of a horrible event happening, we uh, planned to have an email, uh, right? Uh, we, we actually wrote an email, uh, which we named uh, a letter, which we uh, thought that we'd never have to send, <laughs> and uh, it was actually very um, timely to have this ready when everything has started, and to warn first of all our parents um, and and our school school community about the situation and the actions that uh, we're about to take. Uh, the event started uh, very early in the morning, and I think mm -hmm. it was time when a lot of People are preparing for work, preparing uh, for school, um, and so it was. It was very, uh, yeah, very unexpected. But at least we had a very um, first stages, step, first steps plan, and, and this really helped. Yeah. Um. So, how were the decisions to remain open, kind of first online and then gradually back in the classroom? How were those decisions made? Um. Now, of course, the first challenge was to 
to really understand what's happening and uh, how can we operate? Where should we stay? Should we mm. stay in 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 uh, in the schools or should we take um, our colleagues to a safer place? Um, obviously, all the students have been taken by their parents um, and. At that time, a lot of people, most of the people started to flee Kiev mm. because there was uh, there was a lot of um, rumors about Kiev being actually attacked. Nobody knew what's 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 happening really because there was a a couple of days of um, of uh, vacuum actually of information. Of, everybody knew about the attack, but nobody knew what's what's going to happen next. Yeah. But obviously, with being in Kiev and Dnipro, everyone were um, affected strongly and very worried. And and then it was the another um, piece of information provided by the embassies um, to directly to the citizens. And we had uh, a lot of teachers from different countries. And I think majority of the embassies have advised them to leave Ukraine. Yeah. And. As you understand, Ukraine has been home for many of them, so it wasn't wasn't just a temporary visit. Yeah. Um, so it was really difficult to make those decisions, and whereas majority of people have planned and and prepared, but some some weren't ready uh, to move because again, uh, there were hopes that it's uh, it, it's going to end very soon. Yes. Um. Yeah, so the first first stages were to evacuate uh, our staff staff members, especially our international team, because these are the ones that uh, find it more difficult than the local ones to to orientate in these conditions. Um, and I think this took um, a, a couple of weeks because first we actually had different locations for different staff members because again we thought they could return back. Um, we hoped they could. Yeah. Um, and then we uh, actually approached the Western Ukraine, as most of people did. Um, but it was also very difficult to find any one, say, hotel or even apartment block to, to rent or to house everyone because everything's already been full. Yes. A lot of uh, companies and you know embassies, uh, international uh, offices. They, I think, they had uh, prepared in advance. Um, they probably booked it in advance, or mm. or um, someone made those arrangements. But we did find uh, some options, but it wasn't you know as as it wasn't as as if we could open another school there. So yeah, um, yeah, it took it some time and in a in a in a few days time it became to became much more difficult to leave kiev because again of you know kiev is a big city as it was around three million population at that time and practically everyone was going out so you can imagine how how big of a traffic this jam was in this in the roads and then the trains also had had you know the same same situation mm. um plus then the situation of course went even um became even even more complicated when there was actually fighting started to happen on the western western route uh, on the road from kiev to Lviv. that's the basically the main route from kiev to to to, to europe um which everyone uses and yeah so basically people 
five hour journey took some people a week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the advantage that we had, um, as I think most of schools in the world, we had learned some lessons from COVID. We yes. expanded a lot of uh, online facilities from um, from that time. Um, we developed the infrastructure, um, mm. and this allowed us to to um, open up the online learning facilities yeah. as uh, as soon as the at least the majority of colleagues settled, so we could restart the learning process online. Although I have to say it wasn't it wasn't as usual, you know, because we still were we were already back in school and we were mm -hmm. fully operating offline. So yeah, uh, we did not have any um, online facilities at that time, which is very different from what we yes. have now. Yeah, incredibly challenging. Eventually, students then, uh, or some students, returned to the classroom. When was that decision made? How and how was that decision made? Yes, I, I think um, until the end of the um, academic year, it mm -hmm. was uh, most most of the students actually did not return to the school mm -hmm. um, because, again, of the fragility of the situation and security concerns. Mm -hmm. However, I think that there were some students uh, remaining in, in Kiev and Dnipro at that time mm -hmm. uh, with their families or in the Western Ukraine, probably mm -hmm. majority were in Western Ukraine. And I'm talking about those who haven't left. So yeah. a lot of a lot of families have straight away left Ukraine yeah. to a different country. Um, uh, but then during the summer, I think it was a relatively calm summer. Um, mm -hmm. In comparison to what has been happening in the spring, uh, things settled down a bit. Um, in at least again in the in the cities, of course mm -hmm. there was fierce fighting ongoing, as it is until this day in the east, uh, of Ukraine and mm -hmm. south. But in the cities, uh, life became to stabilize. You know, people get mm -hmm. used to everything, and there was again hope that it's going to um normalize somehow yes. uh, but uh as we we know what happened uh, and then a lot of our colleagues have remained in in ukraine a lot of our local staff have remained in ukraine mm. and then we have started of course to reaching out and communicating also to the families and the students so we found out that some of them also were in in kiev and dnipro mm. um, so we uh and they really expressed the willingness to come to school mm. of course it's a much smaller number than than, than we had yes uh, but still we thought that you know we should continue uh, our part of the fight our part of the struggle yeah um and uh um, of course we were an offline school first so this this is we knew that this is the best uh thing that we can provide for our children mm. Plus the practical side of things uh, for you know parents and students was that uh, school uh, provides a shelter, the air, air shelter, and yes. in case uh, something uh, happens as an air alert or something that mm. of course the students are being cared of uh, by the staff and being taken to a safe place. And if the child is remaining at home by themselves or uh, you know 
um, or even with parents, it's not always that they have access to the shelter. So I think for many parents, it was also um, a safe option. Um, yes. So, and, and of course, that's what we always wanted to do. We wanted yeah. to continue to uh, provide uh, education and before uh, before the full-scale invasion, we, we had a lot of plans. Yeah. Uh, we were planning to um, to have a BSO um, inspection a little bit later in the coming academic year. And yeah. well, of course, that all changed, but you still live, uh, you know, with, with your plans. You still yes. want to achieve uh, those things. And of course, you still want to hold a high standard um, of, of, um, of what you're delivering. So yeah. that was always aspiration that has never changed. Mm. Although, of course, our capabilities were were very limited. Yeah. Plus, we I I have to say it's uh, everything that we've achieved and were able to do is is uh, is um, is because of our staff and it's their achievements yes. in the first place. Yeah. Because the most horrible and difficult circumstances, uh, they still continue to come to to the school, come to yeah. work. Um, and uh, yes, con continued in these difficult circumstances. Again, also our principal has remained in Kiev and the school, which also enforced all of our spirits. Um, mm. and, and, uh, and a few more colleagues as well from the international team. So it was really the, the, the thing that, you know, helped us to motivated everyone to keep yeah. going it's, again it's like uh gave more hope yes yeah an incredible effort incredible things that you're doing to to provide that education for your young people um you've touched on a few things that you've done there providing um, a sanctuary for for students as well um so how else then um has the situation kind of affected the school's daily operations yes well uh I guess the big big difference here, what I mean by the by the sanctuary or um, um, or a little bit of diff different kind of atmosphere that we try to create for for students and staff in the school is this sense of normality. Yes. Because outside, you know, be it at home or everywhere that you see, um, you know the war is in the air it's yeah. everywhere everyone's talking about it it's 24 7 in the news yeah everyone's discussing it it's the number one topic and subject yeah and uh, we hope that within the school walls at least everyone could focus on on you know learning uh something different continue with their studies continue with their courses um continue with finding something new you know being curious um and and uh, that that was the that was the main goal and it still is the main goal and of course in in our school we are trying to create an atmosphere as a you know as as a small british island within ukraine uh, in kiev in dnipro uh, we're motivating our uh, colleagues and students to speak english within the walls of school um again not as a rule enforcing but just to giving that you know opportunity to experience something different because yeah. we know 
that everyone will uh, will be speaking their mother tongue when they leave the school or when they're at home or when they're with friends. But at least in the school setting, you know, they can challenge themselves and their peers to do something new, learn something new, and yes. uh, have this a little bit of a different atmosphere. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. It's almost um, transformative to kind of be in a new environment then where you're totally focused and just on education and language and it being a completely different situation to what they're experiencing outside of school. That sounds um, like an incredible thing you're doing to really promote that well-being and having a place of sanctuary. Um, can you explain uh, then some of the measures that the school has put in place um, to remain open to provide your students with their education. Um, so you've remained open um, and providing support for students to come in daily or is it happening? Um, how is that situation happening? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I think um, that we we were the, the only international school in, in, in Ukraine at the time which opened its doors physically. Mm. Um, in Kiev and Dnipro, um, uh, although we had to uh, shut the doors, unfortunately, of uh, two of our schools in Kiev, so we we um, combined all of the students and staff in one building so that they're uh, together, but also the resources and the safety measures, it mm. was much, much better to organize. Um, but of course, unfortunately, we have uh, we have lost a lot of um, international colleagues, international staff members, international teachers. And uh, this was a huge challenge for our cur curriculum and delivery. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a full international school de delivering uh, British curriculum and IB curriculum. We are uh, um, absolutely uh, dependent on our international uh, team members. Yeah. Um, and these were the people who were who were teaching uh, our students, and of course, without having um, having those teachers in the school, it was very difficult to continue yeah. with our program. So, well, one of the ways we uh, found a solution for that is to partner with other um, online schools. Yes. Uh, online international schools, mm -hmm. which deliver. Uh, same or similar curriculum and they would be covering part um, of what we are delivering yes and this allowed us to continue in um, with the pretty much a similar program that that we had uh, before that and of course we're very grateful to them that they also had to you know change a lot of their operations because we weren't their usual partner yes um, at that time um, mm. so I guess we're still um, getting used to each other in a way, but uh, it's much more smoother now. Mm. But in a year ago, I think even more than that, when we just started that just approach that it, it was of course a, um, a new challenge, but um, from the other side, it provided our students with the selection, with a wide selection of uh, different subjects and courses which they, they could take. Mm -hmm. So they could again continue with their programs without uh, without interruptions. Yeah. And the other advantage of uh, having the um, online partners and teachers um, abroad was is that they were less 
um, uh, they were less prone to the disruptions that happened, continued to happen and continue to happen until this day in, in Kiev and Dnipro because of the attacks. Uh, so um, because when the when the attacks are happening, there's an air alert starts and the children and staff have to stop the lessons and go to the shelter. And yeah. this very often it happens during the lessons. So the lesson is stopped and then you have to um, continue when you can. And of course, yeah. as, as any disruption, you as educator know much, much better than I do. It's, it takes time to kind of come back to, to where you stopped. Yes. Um, yeah, plus, especially, in a situation, other... especially in a situation such as that, when they're, they're going to be worried and going to be afraid. And, and so you really need to kind of provide that support around them to kind of get them back into a space to learn again it must be incredible diff di incredibly difficult yeah and and uh and uh, in addition to that so we were working in this hybrid mode where some of our students are working from home mm. so sometimes they're simultaneously students who are online and physically present in school yes and uh, whereas sometimes these students who are online they don't have the interruption so they have to have the lesson being continued yeah um, and um, and it, it puts another another challenge for those who who have these disruptions yes um, yeah. one of the solutions for this were of course to have all the sessions recorded and that the students have access to all the mm -hmm. recorded lessons um, or or the material that they missed mm -hmm. um, this helped but of course um, I think the individual attention and individual approach to each student um that's what really could help them to cope, you know, with the with these ongoing difficulties. Yes. Yeah. And, and I have to say, uh, you mentioned, of course, for the students, it's a huge stress, and for the for the academic stuff. But I, I think students have shown, from what I know from many of our colleagues, an incredible resilience. Yeah. Um. In 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 these circumstances, in yeah. these situations, some of them. Um, being more frustrated uh, by these instances and by these disruptions rather than uh, being nervous or scared, oh, just yeah. frustrated. Oh, why is it happening? You know, how can they? <laughs> yeah, oh, incredible um, resilience. And I imagine, yeah, when that becomes the norm, it is frustrating that your education is being interrupted. I, I understand that um, and understand their, their frustration with it. But incredible that they... Um, that they're able to kind of move past that and think, yeah, I want to focus and get my, you know, get my education sorted. And this is just disrupting Absolutely. that. <laughs> um, so you've talked a lot about then the school community, about um, how your colleagues have really stepped in and um, and those who can be there have really rallied around to kind of make this education happen. Um, in what ways, what other ways has the school community come together then to support students and their families in this challenging time? Yeah, so I think um, we've had an experience, uh, we have, sorry, we have experienced an incredible uh, support from the uh, international community to, mm. to begin with. Um, and from the first days, the school inboxes have been filled with messages from even, I think, just, just people who were not related to the school in any way, but just mm writing with their words of support and 
um, that, that that was incredible. And uh, I think we're still still working on processing some of those messages. Yeah. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to invite all of these people to Ukraine um, at some point in the future to the school. Uh, uh, but um, we're a proud member of COBIS, as, as many mm -hmm. of schools in the ISM, I think. And uh, I think the COBIS community was the one of the biggest uh, supporter and the schools uh, mm -hmm. from COBIS, the biggest supporter of us. Um, because of course, from the beginning, we, we were very much dependent on uh, not only on our staff, but also some external parties who could, mm -hmm. who could help um, and uh, work with our students. Now, apart from that, there were numerous organizations like any school that we work with and I have to say pretty much every one of them have, have, have come to us and helped us in, in that way or another. Uh, so we are really, really, uh, uh, really thankful to all of, all of them here. Um, as one of the groups that established from COBIS is the Black Sea Schools Group. And uh, which consists of all the, the international schools, um, or majority of the international schools who are within the Black Sea region. Um, and we've been working together closely in this last uh, nearly two years now and in different projects because everyone were affected, of course, by the situation mm. in a different capacity. Um, but of course, there were so many situations just between the students and the staff members um, and the parents which which connected us on so many different levels that yeah. never happened before I think that's that's one of the one of the incredible things yeah that happened. Yeah. yeah fantastic to see that support and how people kind of rally around and and how you're making this happen in in really incredible different right. working on it still working on it yes yeah <laughs> Um, so in what ways then can the international community or individuals outside Ukraine provide meaningful support to schools and educational institutions at this time? How else can we help? Yeah, so I think our biggest challenge now is because, again, the situation has been ongoing for quite a long time um, and people that uh, who are in Ukraine and our colleagues and the students are so used to it, you know, they are really want to see the international teachers, international staff back in schools. Yeah. And that is the perhaps biggest wish. Um, and of course, ours as well. Mm. Um, we, we were fortunate with having a few of our teachers um, come back to school quite shortly after mm. after February um, and, uh, and and staying with the students. And it created a completely different um, atmosphere um, when when you compare it with the online experience. So the yes. children are way more engaged, happier, and um, uh, yeah, and it's really changes changes how how all every lesson is being uh, being conducted. But yeah. at the moment, yeah, we really need uh, more international staff in the school because it's the only way to continue developing um, the international community. I think one of the reasons that we made the strong decision to remain open is we understood that Ukraine really needs such institutions, such organizations um, as international schools 
being functioning because um, we play a crucial role in developing culture. Yes. Uh, of course, yeah. we're representative of the British culture uh, in the first place and share the values, but also of the international cultures of uh, many different nationalities that our students and staff members mm. were holding and at, at that time and now it's uh, it's really important that we keep this momentum going in this space so what we really need is uh, maybe some volunteers yeah. uh, who are educators maybe they are currently um, in Ukraine uh, on in different roles because of mm. course we have a lot of supporters working now in Ukraine from all over the world but who have teaching experience or who are, or who are teachers uh, to, to come to our school. And, and basically we could organize different kind of sessions, even yeah. if it's not um, curriculum lessons that uh, have to go, but even some educational material about teaching about uh, professions, teaching different skills um, in English, uh, that that would be amazing. Yes. Of course, we already planning and hope that in in the next academic year we'll have many more um, international colleagues within the school mm -hmm. working in the school. But we're also fortunate. Uh, for example, just recently, a um, couple of weeks ago, um, one uh, one colleague, educator, teacher, has reached out to us and. Uh, said that he's ready to uh, come visit uh, Dnipro, um, which is even further than Kiev. Yeah. As many of people know the Ukrainian geography by now, it's actually about 200 kilometers from the from the war zone where the active fighting is going on. And he came, he came to the school and as a volunteer. We really hope that he'll stay and remain further on to the the children were absolutely amazed straight away when just when they started from from the first day i, I think it, it was incredible it was yeah. a little bit of that christmas magic oh, um yes and, and unfortunately Dnipro before he arrived we did not have any international staff members because um it, it, it's it's a little bit far but yeah. uh, again, as you see, you know how 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 children react and how the school changes straight away. Um, it is it is essential for us to have those um, the staff members um, in the school. So th that's that's our you know Christmas or New Year wish or <laughs> to the sun yes. perhaps. Of course, <laughs> it's a very difficult one, and but. Um, but we 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 have to believe in in miracles, and Sweet. I guess. Yeah, we'll put it out there as well with this. It's really important if anybody is interested um, in taking up a position that, you know, you really could make such a difference. And that yeah. kind of leads me, yeah, leads me nicely into our last question then about your hopes and, and aspirations for the school and the students coming up in the future. Absolutely. And this is our um, long-term vision is um, what what we want to achieve and what we want to deliver is we think that, uh, that the British education is actually a, a very important um, element of the uh, of future Ukraine. We mm. think that British education can really provide 
this alternative to the, of course, state education, uh, which is also being reformed now in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And um, we hope that our schools, on the basis, on the foundation of our schools, we could develop a new educational model um, for the future Ukraine. And uh, this is one of our, um, you know, inspirational projects that we uh, trying to work on when we have time. Uh, mm -hmm. We have just just recently, very recently launched um, the school advisory board, uh, which has many of the brightest minds in education, but we're also open to anyone who would like to join this initiative. And uh, whereas we, of course, we, we're not planning to compete with the state education, but I think if there would be a, a British school in every region of Ukraine, and uh, Ukraine is a very big country mm -hmm. by territory, <laughs> excuse me, I think it could really enhance the development of the nature culturally, educationally, um, and in uh, different uh, various sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we need to harness the technology and the artificial intelligence um, that emerged like a wave on us just yes. just recently yeah. um, um, and we hope that we'll be able to integrate this sufficiently but mm -hmm. I think our long-term vision and that's something that we really eager to build with the international community is to mm -hmm. develop this model uh, for the future of Ukraine for the educators of Ukraine on um, again on the basis of our schools where other education uh, educators would be able to access our school and see how it works really mm -hmm. in practice. So yeah. not just theory, not, not just the handbook, but um, we provide all the materials, but we also mm -hmm. provide that practical experience of a, um, a British international school mm -hmm. in Ukraine. And uh, hopefully this would be our contribution to the country's development um, in the future. Oh, fantastic, oh, incredible vision. Um, Anton, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It was really insightful and incredible to hear about what you're doing to keep that education alive for students. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say that you haven't had a chance to say? Um, um, no, I just would like to thank you, Claire, for having me in the first place and the International Schools Network for hosting this um, amazing conversation. And I just wanted to finish uh, with adding a few words of, again, thank uh, for everyone who supported, you know, Ukrainian people and continues to support Ukrainian people mm -hmm. in these uh, difficult circumstances when, when even just a small mention about the situation or keeping the conversation going, reminding others about the, about the difficulty that, you know, many of people that are facing now is, is really important and it plays a crucial role, I think, for to achieving that that new uh, Ukraine's recovery. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm sure that Ukraine's recovery will have a huge positive benefit for the whole world, well, mm -hmm. at the minimum Europe um, and uh, all the countries that involved. So Thank yeah. you very much. If anyone wants to reach out, please feel free to find me on LinkedIn. I, I think we'll share some some notes yes. in in this um, interview. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Anton.